What's up, Essential People? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy and Acton Academy Placer. Uh, today's guest is a friend of mine, local legend, Deirdre Fitzpatrick. Uh, Deirdre's a four-time Emmy Award winner in writing, anchoring, and reporting. She works for KCRA3. She's got a bachelor's degree in journalism from the University of Missouri-Columbia, uh, but has been traveling the world too uh, with KCRA, you know, working for for Hearst Television. Um, she's covered the last nine Olympics and has won a ton of awards for for doing so. Um, she's on the board for Sacramento Running Association. Eighteen-time uh, marathoner. Find out she's a a coach. She's also a wife, a mom, uh, and just an all-around awesome person. So I think you're gonna love this conversation with Miss Deirdre Fitzpatrick. And we are live with my favorite friend in the closet, Deirdre Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need to explain that for people. I, I think. think I know. I kind of think I do, but sometimes I kind of want to just leave it too, right? So we're, uh, but yeah, so we're yeah. we we're talking we were talking before we jumped in here. So the last, I think the last three times that we've gotten to chat. So you've got two of them where I'm looking at a camera, but you're FaceTiming uh-huh. from somewhere in the world, right over to the side. Yesterday it was your car. And then yep. um, the last two times that we have gotten to do anything face to face, you're definitely in your closet. You're super and duper I'm, in I'm your closet. I'm working out of my closet because <laughs> it it actually has the best acoustics in my yeah, house. Yep. And I'm a boy mom. I have two kids. I've got a 14 year old boy and I have an 11 year old boy. Yeah. And it is the only place I can go where they don't come. <laughs> you not know? Gonna like mess they with stay you. out of my closet because it's connected to the bathroom, and you don't barge into mom's bathroom at that age. That's, and oh, that's so, right. There are days over the last couple of months that I have literally spent hours sitting in the, and it's not a big closet. That's it's so not funny. like one of those fancy closets yeah. you see on like million dollar listing. That, this is just awesome. a normal closet. Now, right? are you in there working the whole time or do you take a little time to cry too? Or is it a little sometimes mix of Sometimes there's crying. Okay, cool. Just check and see if <laughs> it was a crying. mix of crying. Um, sometimes I talk on the phone. I do some Instagramming. I've read a book in here. Yeah, there you go. Um, That's awesome. I really, I've thought about putting like a little mat down and just taking a nap. I yeah, mean, it's just, totally. Sometimes I just, you know, it's just weird these days. It's really hard to get away from people, For especially sure. those who um, are in your little pod that you live with, who are connected by blood, because e. they're your people for now. <laughs> and so you, I'm just never alone anymore. And I'm used to being alone because of the weird hours that I work. Yeah. And I, I am never alone. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I can only imagine. No, I, I mean, my kids are a little younger, so I've got a nine, seven, and four. Um, and even yes, I, I come here on campus. I can't work it. I can't work at home because oh, yeah. like you, like I don't have a safe yeah. spot to, to, you know, not get bombarded. <laughs> yeah, and so it's, it's, it's a, a safe, safe space. Place. It's a safe <laughs> space. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, right. We worked space. on a film last year with Dennis Prager called no safe spaces. You're definitely in a safe space. That's I'm definitely in a safe place. Yes. It's uh, like my version of a panic room, Yeah, that's... but it's just, and I don't want anyone to come for me. Yeah. I want my panic is that you will come in here. That's hilarious. I just want to stay here. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's what I'm going to call it from now on is the panic room. It's the um, panic room. So super pumped to be able to do this and get talking. And it was cool because we were DM- DMing and you said, well, what are we going to talk about? And I said, well, aside from the 11 questions that we've got from our youth, we're going to talk about to you, um, which is cool because okay. that's the whole point was we want to see who you are and kind of where you came from and then get your advice um, to our young people. And so, of course, you know, I've known... A, 
I've followed your work for for a long time and obviously dug in. And even though you're only 35, you have uh, <laughs> <Yes>. a very <laughs> right. Is that I'm supposed yeah. to say stuff we'll like that, right? That. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so, but you've got an extensive body of work too. So, would you yeah. like to give just kind of the the X Men origin story, whatever you'd like okay. to include? And there may be some things that you don't include that I know, and I'll push on too. Sure. I mean, we'll see. But just okay. kind of give the origin story. So I, my job right now yeah. is the same job that I've actually had for almost 20 years. And it is that I'm a morning news anchor for the NBC affiliate in Sacramento, California for mm-hmm. KCRA TV. And I have literally been reading out loud, which is what I always tell kids is what I do for a living. Because really, if you break down and you're like, what are your skills? Uh, I read, out, read loud, out loud, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's a good way to put it. I read out loud and I go home to a panic room. What else do you need? And I go home to be by yeah, myself. That's right. Yep. Where I don't want to talk to anyone. Right. Perfect. Um, yeah, but that is, this, you know, I mean, it's a real dumbed down version of what I do, obviously. But, sure. but that is essentially, you know, my job in the mornings. And so I have worked um, kind of a modified graveyard, as I usually put it, uh, for the last 20 years. I've never worked a tradition, what most people would consider a traditional schedule. Mm-hmm. So I'm up hours before the sun bothers to get up or the roosters bother to wake people up. Mm-hmm. And I usually work until about lunchtime and then I kind of go into my other life. But my, my background was always journalism. From the yep. time I was four or five years old, I was telling people that this is what I was going to do. And my, you know, my early memories are my father getting home. I, I, early on, I lived in New York City. And I remember my father getting home from work. He would come, he would roll in, you know, like around five o'clock. And it was right as like Mr. Rogers was ending. Yeah, yeah. And then Walter Cronkite would come on, yeah. <laughs> right? So my, my time of spending time with my father was my father wanted to watch the news. And so I would oh, sit cool. down after, you know, Mr. Rogers and I would sit down, I would watch the evening news with him. And that was how I spent time with him. Um, and I would usually bring him a Manhattan, which in retrospect, so inappropriate, yeah. but that's what happened. <laughs> that's I remember it, I would carry, I would bring the little glass over to him and yeah. that would, that was his like five o'clock on a weeknight. Yep. Right. And all of which he denied many years later. Of my course dad. he did. As he should. That's right. <laughs> but I do recall it very distinctly. Like, but I would sit there and he would talk about the news. And I told him, that's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my job. And he would kind of pat my head as I sat on the floor. I'm not really thinking much about it. Yeah. But the truth was, I never let that go. And I, oh, that was always what I wanted to do. I never, ever entertained doing anything different. Like, How cool. not for a that's moment. So I never rare. wanted to be a, f- it's very unusual. It's really unusual, but it is always what I wanted to do was that. And so everything was always geared around that in terms of going, you know, growing up, um, doing the student newspaper, being involved with the yearbook. Um, When I was in high school, by that time we had moved on a couple of places. I was living in Fort Worth, Texas. I would call the TV stations. I would call the NBC station, which was very close to my high school. And I would call and talk to an anchor. I'd say, hi, you know, I have a, a social studies project and I have to come in and I'd like to come in to interview a journalist. And yeah. I would invent, these were not even true assignments. Yep. I would yep. invent Just give a reason. reasons. Yeah. And so, but You're I like would go like trying every to get other month. 100 percent you know (laughs) and so i would go in and and i remember one time um one of the anchors there his name was braddy pulled me aside and he goes there's no assignment is there and i knew i'd been found yeah i found out yeah and i was like no he goes well 
first first rule is just just tell us that you want to be here. <laughs> you That's know? awesome. It's okay yeah. to ask, yeah. right? And so so that was kind of like the entree into doing that was you know just needing I I needed to be around it. I loved it. I loved the thrill of it. I loved the idea that you could ask a million questions because I grew up in an Irish Catholic family where yeah. you just don't ask too many yeah, questions, you right? Stay quiet. You know? That's right. Don't speak unless you're spoken to, kind of deal, don't, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, no need to offer yep. up too much stuff. Don't talk about yourself too much. For sure. But. As a journalist, that's your job. And yeah. you get to ask people like kind of rude personal questions. Yeah, and that was dig. super intriguing yeah. to me. So that was really what kind of drew me into it. So then leaving high school, uh, I wanted to go to journalism school, yep. which, you know, my father was very opposed to. Yep. It just did not sound like a job job. Um, but, you know, my parents still supported me doing it. And so what I did was I called. I knew I didn't want to stay in Texas. Yeah. My, I had just gone there for high school and I really I had no connection to the place. I just I didn't want to be there. And what was and the so, and not to interrupt, but what was the so were you guys jump? Were you guys a military family? Because I know you were born no. in like New Hampshire. You said you spent some time in New York. You were yeah, out in so Texas. I was. I was Born in New York City. I lived okay. there till I was about six. Oh, okay. And then okay. my parents wanted to get out of New York City. And my father took a job in upstate New York. So my father worked in uh, pharmaceuticals and specifically in regulatory affairs. So gotcha. my father's specialty was like, you came up with the product. One of your acting kids came up yeah. with some sort of a, a yeah. product, right? And you do your clinical trials. And my father's specialty was he would take your research and he would go to the FDA, who don't want to approve anything. Yeah. And he would tell them why they should let they should you approve. sell that product. Interesting. And so my father was a master negotiator. Yeah. My father, both my parents are from Ireland, so I'm a first generation American. Oh, cool. And my parents um, were a very different type of people, but they were very similar in, in their drive. And so my father moved us to upstate New York. We were there for six years, and by that point. Um, the recession of the 80s was really starting to settle yeah. in. And financially, he didn't think it was great to be there. He was worried about losing his job, yep. um, which sounds very similar to current yeah, times, doesn't say, it? Right. And so my parents decided it was time to go back home to Ireland. And they had always thought that they would bring their kids back home eventually. So by that time, I was going into junior high school. So we moved to Ireland then, wow. um, sold everything, moved to Ireland. But within one year, the recession had yeah, gone to Europe. Uh, wow. Yeah. So then he looked at it and he said, well, we got to get out of this place. Yep. <laughs> so he decided to get back to the U.S. because he thought his opportunities would be bigger. And so he interviewed at a couple of places, um, but he didn't really have a job. But he, he knew that if he didn't leave then that he might not get out. Yeah. So what he did was, again, they sold everything. They packed what they had onto a crate and they decided they would go to Boston because Irish people go to Boston, for New sure. York, and Chicago, yeah, right? For sure. And so he just picked a random like motel address and, and we'll ship the stuff and we'll figure it out because that'll force us to figure it out. You yeah. got to jump sometimes. That night, he got a job offer from Fort Worth, Texas. And he looked at you know what the job was and he knew he would never have to sn shovel snow there. And he said yes. And he called the moving company and said, here's a new address. And that's how my family ended up in Texas. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's random, rad. right? Good for, but you know what? Super Good for random. him. I love, I mean, I have so much respect for somebody that just goes, you know what? We're going to go ahead and pull the trigger on something. It's going to be ready, fire, and then aim because we just need to force our hand. You know, I love that. 
we have to force the decision sometimes. Yep. So that yep. was how my family cool. ended up in Texas. Cool. So, so that, so that, and that's kind of an interesting part of my story is that I didn't really have a home base yeah. per se. Yeah. Because every five, six years I was moving. Yep. So I was constantly a new school, new friends, new place, yep. new accents, new everything. Um, so I didn't mind moving on and going to college wherever. Yeah. So when I was trying to figure out where to go to school, um, I called 10 big TV stations across the country and I said, and I just, again, just randomly, like, you know, 411 them back yeah. then. And I said, if you could go anywhere for journalism school, where would you go? And I didn't even know who I was talking to on these phone calls. Yeah. And nine out of 10 of them, which is kind of like the toothpaste commercial on the island, nine <laughs> out of 10 of them said, the University of Missouri, Columbia. Yeah. And after the first or second one, I'm like, huh. I mean, I, that was one part, one yeah. place I had never been was the middle of the country. And then after they kept saying, I'm like, well, what is that place? And then I started looking at it. And what it is, it's a little bit like Gafton. It's a really unique, very lab-based kind of school. Yep. So it's a massive state school, but within the school are schools. And one of them is the world famous journalism school. And what makes it stand out is that it owns an NBC affiliate. It owns an NPR affiliate. It has a newspaper. It has an incredible online program for advertising. Wow. And so you get people who literally come from all over the world to work with the best minds in this journalism school. And it's the most competitive place I have wow. ever been in my life. So I always say it's kind of like the Harvard of journalism How programs, cool. but it's, but it's in middle America. Yep. It's in a small town and it was like the greatest thing I could have done. Yeah. Hated it, of course, for the first six yeah, months there. For sure. For sure. <laughs> but it was a really great place. And that's how I ended up at the University of Missouri, surrounded by people who probably from the time they were five wanted to do what I was doing. So cool. I love that. And Missouri, yeah. you know, it's interesting. So Missouri, oh, I don't want to butcher the name. I'm Missouri Broadcasters Association. Uh, was a client mm -hmm. of mine for a while, and so I oh, went out and did right? yeah. So I went out and did a few keynotes. So there was a period of time that you know, and just a, as I was doing so much speaking, um, you know, certain organizations would lend themselves to okay, well then we're going to recommend you, and so you stay within these, you know, you end up staying within these niches of types of industry sure. or areas, right? Because of just the nature of the beast. So, um, but that was what really kicked off. I did a, a keynote for Missouri Broadcasters Association, and then that kicked off a whole series of events for great. TV, um, and then uh, a number of events in Missouri. So I had one year where out of my like 50 or 60 keynotes I did, I think 10 of them were in Missouri. So I got to spend a ton so of time interesting. there. So um, yeah, a great group of great group of folks. How cool. So you were oh. in middle America mm -hmm. and then you kind of stayed, didn't you? I mean, I think you were in like Iowa at some point or yeah, something too, Yeah, I right? did. You know, by by that point, I was, you know, thinking I need to go anywhere but the Midwest. Yeah, <laughs> I was right, ready to right, move right, on right. again. But it's funny, uh, you know, television is very cyclical, like a lot of industries. Yeah. And so the year that I graduated, you know, the opportunities tend to be in one place or another. And back then, the concept of going to a big TV station, you didn't do it right away. Mm. Back then, that was like a 10 year, maybe 15 wow. year to get to a place like Sacramento. It yeah. just didn't happen like yeah. that. Um, the industry's changed completely, but back then it didn't really happen like that. And I was graduating and, um, you know, I had done really well there. I had, I had incredible opportunities. I worked at a news talk radio station for the last two years that I was there full time cool. Oh, cool. Um, because people didn't know how old I was. And on radio, much like podcasting, yeah. they, they hear your voice. And I had, for a woman, I had a deeper voice 
and I could hang with people who were a lot older than yeah. I was. And, and I just loved it. Yeah. So I had, I had some really good experience heading out and the best job opportunity that I had where I knew I was going to learn the most was in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. And it was working for a guy named Dave Buzik who, when, when I was approached about the job, I was like, oh, I don't want to go there. But then one of my mentors said, eh, let's talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you who you'll be with. And as soon as I met, met him, I knew like, oh, this is somebody who's going to be really instrumental in who I become. I could just feel it. I just knew I'd yeah. be taken care yeah. of there. He had also gone to the University of Missouri and um, and I knew it was going to be a good place. So to me, like going there for three years was the equivalent of like a graduate school. Yeah, it was yeah. a graduate program yep. that kind of like finished, it kind of finished me growing up, you yep. know? So, yep, so sure. I always say I grew up in the Midwest in my college years and, and in the early part of my career. And I think that that's a really um, great thing because there are a lot of things about Midwestern values in terms of the way you talk so. to people and you treat people yep. that are very very important for what I do because I think they're very humbling and yep. it helps you talk to total strangers because you got to find some common ground. With people. That's exactly. And you got to do it relatively quickly too. You know, I mean, that's quickly. Yeah. And in the Midwest, people feel you out fast. Very, <laughs> they, very fast. Absolutely. They will. They, yeah, will, they, they will. really do. Yep. They'll get you dialed really in. Fast. Yeah. And yep. Iowa's great too. Yep. Um, there's a, a term that they used to called Iowa nice. And that's a real deal, oh, man. Yeah. They are some nice yes. folks, but they will. They will they want to know that you're you're a real person, you know, and they want to know it quickly. Yes. Iowa nice though yeah. has some other undertones to it. It can be a little bit of an oxymoron. I believe so that. Yeah. You gotta always kind of... you gotta get into the second part of the conversation for, sure. for Iowa I believe nice. That. I believe but, that. But they're also yeah. but that also it's means like, bless that your little I think heart. people who are <laughs> Bless your Bless little, little heart, heart yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but people, people there are very proud of where they live. For sure. And so when people from other places come in, if they feel that you in any way look down on a place, it's not unlike where we live in Sacramento and yeah. San Francisco. They're like, why do you live there? Yeah. Uh, hello, why don't I live yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let, me, yeah. let me list out the reasons. Yeah. But people there are very proud of where they live. It's a much more generational living place, whereas I think we live in a much more transitory place. For sure. And so, um, yeah, but it's, but it's a good place. And I, and I was very taken care of there and people there cared about their community in a way that maybe in other areas you don't have those deep ties. Very Just cool, different. Man. So cool. In retrospect, it was a yeah. great place yeah. for me. It was to a be. great place. And like you said, it was a it was a, a catalyst for you growing up and growing up in the yeah. biz too. You know, and, and, exactly. and kind of uh, honing your chops too. So so cool. Mm -hmm. And then obviously it's gone extremely well since then. I mean, not only you're out here doing this, but you've been able to do the Olympic coverage. I know you've won um, a number of awards for that too. And so as much as you want to say you're reading out loud, you're winning four Emmys <laughs> for it too. It was like, we talked to oh, John, um, you know, John Stossel, right? And so we had yeah. John on and we're talking with him and he's like, I'm a horrible communicator. I hate being on TV. And I'm like, okay, well, as much as you hate it, you got 19 Emmys to your name. Like you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. You're figuring some things out, but. Do you know what's so funny is that and, and I, I've never met John Stossel, but I have a feeling I would love him because I always say that there are people who are TV yeah. and there are people who work in TV. Yeah, yeah. And it's sense. a very big difference. Yep. You know, like, for example, my job now, never in a million years would have thought that I'd be in this job. Yeah. Not because I couldn't get the job, because I didn't want the job. Yeah. You know, I, I turned this particular job that I've now been in for almost 20 years, I turned it down three times before I took it. 
I just didn't want this job. Was it the, um, like I wanted, the hours, like the five days a week of getting up at two o'clock? And was it? All of it. Yeah. All yeah. of it. I just, I was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I have no yeah. interest. Because at that point, people weren't watching morning news the way they were watching evening, evening. news. Sure. I had other goals. Yeah. I never thought I was going to stay in Northern California. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't on the plan. Yeah. And, and I had been off the job and I, oh, no, no, thank you. I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah. And then by the third time, I had a, another mentor within the company that I work for, Hearst Television, Fred Young, who's yep. vice president. And he came out to do one of his visits. And, and I got called to a meeting, right? Which is sometimes not good, yeah, you know? Sure. But I, got, I get called to a meeting and, and he says, um, it's just the two of us. And he says, uh, I've, I've been told that you don't want to do the morning news. You don't want to be the anchor of the morning news. Um, I said, may I ask why? I said, oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just not a good job. <laughs> like, I actually told him that. I'm yeah. like, I have no interest. It's not a great job. Yeah. Um, it's not me. It's not what I want to do. Well, what is it that you want to do? I want to do big things. I want to travel. I want to do bigger reporting. I want, mm -hmm. I, I just, I wanted something bigger than what I was doing yeah. and I was willing to earn it, but I wanted to do something bigger, bigger things. And um, he kind of shook his head and he said, well, what if I told you that I thought that this was the perfect job for you because I see a shift in what we're doing right now and I see a shift in our viewers. And he talked about how he was seeing that behaviors were changing, that we were getting up earlier, yeah. that we were going to work earlier, we were working out in the morning. Like America was changing a lot, yeah. but it required a certain type of person to be able to deliver that. Right. And as he talked about it and talked about the big opportunities and I was like, hmm, it does kind of sound like me. And so I decided to take a chance. Oh, cool. And I said, yes. Yeah. And I kind of liked living here at that point. Yeah. I thought, well, I could do another couple of years here. Yeah. And then a lifetime goes by, you know? So, yeah. you know, the Olympic thing did come into play. And so every two years for the last 10 Olympics, yeah. I have gone to represent my company, Hearst Television, at the Olympics. And yeah. I've helped lead an Olympic team of eight or 10 people where we gathered Olympic content and presented it for all of these TV stations. So I've had this opportunity for six month stretches to go work this kind of corporate assignment yeah. that's satisfied that I want to do the big, big thing. Thing. Right. But I also want to live a life because yeah. while doing the big, big thing, I had yep. a chance to see what the life of doing the big, big thing all the time is like. For sure. And let me tell you, it's not the best. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. For some people, it's a great fit. For most people, and definitely for me, I'm like, I don't see a long-term yeah. thing there. Yeah. And There's everyone. no there there yep. for me. Yep. And so that that kind of saved me from finding that out the hard way, oh, cool. which is probably what would have happened. Yeah. So I've had this great opportunity to have kind of a balance of both while still challenging myself and finding new challenges within my industry because technology has changed so much over For the sure. years. So there's a constant reinvention to be relevant and also to keep yourself plugged in. For sure. And that's, I mean, an, an awareness of that is going to keep you at the top of your game. So that's a beautiful thing. And thank God for leaders like him too, that saw that shift too, that are paying attention to that shift, you know, and that's, yeah. and again, and I, I always appreciate that as somebody who has been you know, kind of this outlier for a while going, look, this change is coming, this change is coming. And of course, nobody predicted COVID was going to make everything come so Ugh. fast, but everybody knew the stuff yeah. was coming, you know, but that adaptability is a non-negotiable at this point, you know, and, and mm -hmm. getting comfortable with that is something that you, you know, you don't have a choice to do. So, uh, well, and sometimes you just, you need to have people who are around you who maybe know parts of you, you don't even know that you yourself. don't even realize. And yep. who, yeah, yep. who can see that yeah. to say, have you ever thought about fill in the blank. Yeah, totally. And that's a real, and especially like the, the farther you get into a career, you, you really need those people yep. to be able to continually adapt and keep yourself challenged. Yeah. And, and that's the importance I think of having mentors 
whether they know you're they're your mentor or not. Or not, right? <laughs> they exactly. have that person yeah. who, so, who's willing to shoot you straight. So then that's, well, I mean, talk about a perfect segue. That's literally the very first question of these Essential 11 is, who are the people you look to as the inspirations or kind of the main mentors that I've had? Um, and I know those are really two different things, but really kind of an inspiration yeah. mentor for kind of getting you to where you, and I know you mentioned your dad and um, you mentioned the gentleman you got to work with in, in Iowa. And so, but who would you, who would you kind of name top of mind first couple? So my, my mentor, my true mentor was a woman named Wendy Chioji, who was um, a news anchor within my company. She worked for our station in Orlando. And I met her in 2002 at the Salt Lake City Olympics. And Wendy was, you know, she was, uh, I don't even know how much older, at least 10 years older and just, just farther along in her career, super established. Mm -hmm. And she had kind of dealt with a lot of the stuff that women in my industry were dealing with sure. in the eighties and then the nineties and then the early two thousands. Wendy had had breast cancer when she was in her late thirties. Mm -hmm. And she was one of the first women to really kind of go public with it and say, look, here's my journey. Yeah. Learn through me. And she kind of like was willing to be very transparent and authentic about it at a time where people weren't really doing it because mm -hmm. she knew that like people needed to know how to do it. And she didn't do it in a self-serving way. She did it in a way that she just, she just knew intuitively people needed it and she could help, yeah. you know? So she did that. She was just a really, really remarkable woman. And um, we just really hit it off. And she just was a great sounding board because as you go through different parts of your career and your life changes, whether it's getting married and having a baby or you have a new boss coming in or, um, you know, it's a, I work in a very fickle business. Yeah. And so yep. there are a lot of things that, and competitive business For where sure. people might not necessarily want to talk to the other people they work with, but you need a sounding board just to ask if something is normal yeah. or right yeah. or fair or whatever. And Wendy was that person for me for many, many years. And the, she, she had eventually moved out to Salt Lake City and Park City just to live. And she had had a, an unfortunate, very rare form of cancer mm. that also came on years after the breast cancer. And this is a woman who was an Ironman athlete and like gazillion time marathon or like the, one of the strongest, yeah. coolest people you'll ever meet. And it was just like, of all people, why yeah, was it why her, her that got yeah. this very rare form of cancer? So she spent the last few years of her life in clinical trial after clinical trial. Mm -hmm. And she became a real advocate for people trying to navigate the world of getting yourself into a clinical trial, which is not easy. Sure. So Wendy became, and she was very generous with her time, you know, to help people, even though she had a lot going on herself. Mm -hmm. So Wendy was one of these people who, um, I would call every couple of years and just say like, here's, here's where it is right now. And this is what I'm experiencing. And how do I do? And she just was really, her best advice she ever gave me was you can't ever compare yourself to another woman, yeah. to the younger woman you're sitting with, to the older woman you're sitting with, yep. to the younger guy you're sitting with, uh, like quit doing that. Yeah. Quit. Yep. You do you. Be the best version and then of the you. Best, be, you can only, you can be the mm. best version of you. You, you, you can, no one can do you like you, right. nobody wants to do you, you That's know, like it. just do it. But the other thing was that said, set everybody up around you. You set them up for success yeah. because that yeah. way, however the cards go, you've done the best you can right. and you've done the right thing by helping them. So That's be helpful, right. make everybody look good. Um, and you focus on you Beautiful. and and then, and then at the end of the day, that is what you have to hold on to. So I love that. Um, Wendy passed away last year. Mm, and it's interesting that. because it has been, I, I find myself reaching for the phone quite often when yeah. things like this come up yep. and I just kind of want to chat, yep. um, which is a super selfish thing. <laughs> but, I'm like, I need to talk about how this affected me. Yeah, but, but, and then real. I'll remember, you know, that she's not there. And so it's, it's interesting that you say, like talking about mentors, um, 
it's really like struck me that I, I have to find those people. And so just last week, I had an opportunity to interview Joan London, the longtime anchor of Good Morning America. Yeah, and she's sure. written this yeah. wonderful book on aging. Yeah. And so we finished the interview. And <laughs> I finished a little early purposely. And, uh, you know, it's just the two of us sitting yeah. there talking on Skype like yeah. we are now. And I said, um, may I ask you for some help? And she's like, of course, what do you need? I'm like, I've never met her before, but yeah. we've just spent an hour on, on Skype. Yeah. And I asked her, I asked her for career advice. How I had cool. there was something in her book that it really resonated. Yeah. But yep. you know, my thought was it's like when you see people who have information yes. and insight and yep. wisdom, you have to take the shot yep. and ask. And people will never turn you down. Ever. That's people it. love to tell you what you should do. For sure. <laughs> do. For sure. They love and to share advice. They do. Everybody likes to share advice and and there mm -hmm. is so much good in people too. It's one of those things where we just have this weird fear of like, oh, well, if I ask, you know, what are they going to think? Or, or I'm sure they don't have time. Or we pre, we talk ourselves out of all of that before we ever jump and take the chance. And people will more often than not We'll absolutely get back to you. Those people, when you yeah. made up those courses so that you could get, you know, get your foot in the door, really, mm -hmm. if you had just asked to and said, I mean, people would have loved to have brought you on, you know? 100%. So and that's, good. and that's something that I don't know if you learn that through age or, you, or some people are just kind of born with that natural, like being willing to put themselves out there because yeah. it's a little intimidating at yeah. first. Yeah. I mean, I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, oh, I don't care. Whatever. You know? Let's just go. Whatever. Yeah, for sure. What's the worst thing if that's going to happen? If they say no, they say no. For like, sure. I'm not going to lose sleep over well, yeah, it. Well, yeah. So, and you've had that experience. Asking of, is powerful. Yes. Absolutely. It's powerful. Is. Is there anything still that gives you, because this kind of flows into some of these next questions. So is there anything that at this point, you know, what you do, you're used to being a public eye, you're used to making contact and, and going out and you, like you said, you've got to be able to get real with people really, really quickly. And there's an element of confidence that you need to have in order to do that, right? And it's a self-confidence that you've, that you need to have. Is that something that has continuously grown over time? Um, and what do you attribute that to? And is there anything preparation, you do? preparation? Yeah. Preparation. Stossel said that too. I'm, I am a big believer in preparation. Yeah. Like nobody will prepare more than me. Yeah. Like, uh, and I, and I laugh, I laughingly will tell people like, sorry, but none of you have prepared as much as me before I came in today. That's right. I've read five papers. I've watched the news from there, like, yep. because that's my preparation. That is my routine to feel confident, to know that I can do what I need to do that day, that I can ask the questions and I'm, I'm prepared to ask questions that are relevant and then I'm not going to waste somebody's time. Yeah. Because I'm, if I'm going to ask you for time, then I want to know that I am not wasting yep. your time. Yep. Because I, you know, especially people who have a lot going on, who sure. have a lot to give, but they have a lot going on. And so I try to be super respectful of people's time. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that I plan out every question. Sure. Um, I don't, I actually don't do that. I yeah. don't write questions yep. down. Um, very rarely will I write a question down, but I'll, I'll have, I'll know enough to be able to listen to what they're talking about, mm -hmm. to ask what is relevant to that story or discussion. Yeah. Beautiful. And that's, Does that make sense? Uh, makes a lot of sense. And that's just good practice. That's just good practice in general. So yeah, I know that's, mm -hmm. I think that's very, so is there anything now then that still gives you anxiety? Is there anything that you still oh. get like a little like, oh, about, so what would that be for you? Yeah. When there's no time to prepare. So yeah. the most exciting. <laughs> that makes, that makes okay. sense. So <laughs> tell you know, uh, television is funny, like live television. The reason why live television works as a viewer is that something bad might happen, yeah, right? For sure. So um, that's, you know, that's really why you like watching live yeah. television is because like something could go south. Yep. But, and that's kind of the exciting part is being able to pull live television off and make it look just flawless because yeah. there are a lot of things, a lot of variables. 
But, you know, if I'm at the Olympics and I'm doing live, you know, reports and stuff that's coming on, um, I've done my homework. Yep. Like, I know what happened in that game. Right. I know the background. I know what Michael Phelps ate for right. breakfast because I've read a million articles on it. Like, I'm prepared to handle whatever comes my way. But sometimes, you know, when like crazy live breaking news comes on, you know, it is not uncommon. Somebody will say, uh, we've got breaking news. We're live in, in St. Louis. And like, you're seeing a shot of smoke and you're like, what What's is going that? on? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So that's 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 a point where you know it's a little scary because you're not sure exactly what sure. is happening. Sure. You know, so that that can make you feel um, a little bit like what you're talking about. And then another one that I had recently was when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening. Yeah. We were doing hour upon hour of covering demonstrations and protests at sometimes riots. There yep. was looting. And that was that was probably one of the hardest nights that I've anchored recently. Yeah. And I did about seven hours straight. And it was because there wasn't like really preparation because right. it was happening in front of you, but there was a heightened sense of um, awareness that you wanted to do it right. Yep. Because what you didn't want to do was to inadvertently, in hours and hours of talking, say something that might be interpreted sure. in a different kind of way. Yeah, so those kinds of those kinds of situations in live television journalism are stressful. Um, yeah. But you know what? They should be. Because that kind of stress and heightened alertness is what keeps you honest. Yep. And it keeps you focused. And so it's good to be nervous. And it isn't often as adults that we don't know what we're doing. Right, right, <laughs> Most of life is right, pretty familiar. Right. So a sense of butterflies or nervousness sometimes I think can be a great motivator. I agree. We talk about that all the time is, you know, the, the fear is, and I, I think Will Smith is, is who I originally heard you know, say this, but fear is not a real thing. Um, fear is a choice. Danger is real. Fear is not real. Fear is mm-hmm. a choice. And so, um, you know, a lot of times the, the great opportunities are on the other side of something you're a little nervous, a little afraid, a little uncomfortable with. And so it's a good thing. It is. It keeps yes. us on our toes and it just makes us get better. You know, it's getting comfortable yeah. with that uncomfortable feeling so that we can, we can move forward. And, and you know, it's like doing the, you, you, you want to get in shape. You got to do the pushups. I say that to, I coach uh, cross country and track. And I yeah. say that to the, the middle school kids I coach all the time. I'm like, yeah. you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's and right. it's interesting. As the years go on, that is a harder sell. I it, have to explain why yeah. I am saying that. Why do you think that and, is? I mean, oh, work, I, I, mean I work with thousands and thousands of youth too. So I'm seeing, I, I, I yeah. absolutely co-sign <laughs> on that thought. But why do you think that is? I think that um, our kids are really sheltered. They didn't grow up the way we did. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I give you an example. I sent my kids out to ride bikes one day. I sent one of them out because I was tired of him beating up on his brother. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. go ride your bike. Yeah. And not even five minutes later, I get a call from a neighbor around the block. Hey, um, I just want to let you know that I just saw your son riding his bike by my house. Uh-huh. I'm like, great. He's doing <laughs> what I told him for once. Yeah. <laughs> And the judgment from the silence on the other end that my son was out riding his bike by himself yeah. was palpable. Yes. Like yeah. they need to be uncomfortable. Isn't they need to know how to cross big intersections without getting hit like they're in the middle of a Frogger game. Yes. They need to know how to do basic things. Yes. They need to go to the store to pick something up and not have enough money and have to go home to get more. That's right. They need to know how to do things like that. And I think we make it really easy a lot of the time. Yeah. And, my kids have not had it always. Well, listen, my kids have it easy. I will tell you that they, yeah. they don't lack for things, yeah. Yeah. but they haven't had, they haven't had somebody to swoop in a lot of the time when they've forgotten homework because their yep. parents both work and were gone. Yep. 
and I can't come bring the lunch. Right. And I'm pretty sure neither one of them are going to starve. Right. And somebody always has extra crackers, yep. you know? So that part of it, you know, getting comfortable being uncomfortable is important. It's and so, it's very oh hard. It, it but is. boy, these boy, these kids the last couple of months have learned what uncomfortable means. Yeah. So there are yep. some opportunities now for lessons. There if are. We can figure out there how are to for them. sure. And I'm so glad that you said that too, because one of the things that we talk about you know, we uh, act in as a network, as a global network, we talk about the hero's journey incessantly, right? And we refer back to Campbell's work. And, and I always talk about the fact that parents are super, super on board with that hero's journey, because they see, you know, they've, they've watched the archetype play out in books and movies and, um, you know, in, in the news and in these struggles. And they're like, yes, 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 we're so on board. And then when it's their kid, it's like, oh, okay, but wait a second, I've got to help him. No, wait a second, I've got to jump in for her. She's different, you know. And I'm mm -hmm. like, no, no, no. This is this is now the moment where you rob your child of that hero's journey, you know. And and we don't want to do that. We don't want to step in too early. Yeah. Obviously, there's one. There's an element of safety, but we don't want to be silly about that, you know. We had um, right. Lenore Skenazy on. I don't know if you ever read. There's a book called Raising Free Range Kids, and so she was. <gasps> yes. Yes. So we had Lenore on, right? She sent her son oh, on the subway. Oh man, she took a hit when that book came out. World's worst mother, right? I mean, uh -huh. she owned and she Next owned that moniker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's it, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing all yes. this, these CPS calls. We had. Um, we had a group, we were out here playing, you know, when we're before all the quarantine happened and um, some of our five and six year olds were running across the field and it's all in fenced. And we've got these, you know, this three acre campus here, it's all fenced. They're outside. The adults are outside too. We're out there, but we're not right on top of the kids. We're not within X amount of feet. We can see them, but yeah, they're running way across the field and they're over on this outside. And a woman came by and stopped and talked to him and our kids talked to him. She called me later and she said, oh, you know, I just have to say, I'm really, really worried. I said, what, what, what were you worried about? She said, well, I'm really worried because you had these five and six-year-olds and I was really worried at how not shy they were and they're, they're, they wanted to speak to me. I said, okay, <laughs> man, what did they say? And they said, hi, uh -huh. my name is this. They all offered to shake my hand and they didn't know me. And they, like that, that's a weird spot where we're saying we've got five and six-year-olds that say, yeah. hi, my name is this, nice to meet you. And we go, ooh, this is dangerous. That's a weird right. place to be in culture. Yeah, it really is. And then we wonder why when a lot of these kids are going off to college, um, they can't handle it. And you have parents calling professors yep. to negotiate grades. Right. I mean, right. It, it's it's I, it's really challenging. You know, it's it, we, uh, we see it even in my job with interns who come in. Um, it's very interesting to see who's a go-getter and who's not. Mm -hmm. and, and you can tell almost instantly. Yeah who who's going to follow through who should be there and um so what are you looking yeah, for with just, them what are you looking for with those young people too that if they're coming in and saying we want to work with you want to work for you if somebody came and said Deirdre I want to work for mm -hmm. you you know I'm 18 just out of high school I'm 22 just out of college whatever what what is it that you want to see well in my profession if I was the one actually making those decisions which sure. trust me I am sure. not I'm there to kind of facilitate <laughs> yeah. 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 there's Deirdre, not a door in, in my office closet. we've got this yeah pretty much this. yeah <laughs> There's not even a door in the closet. Um, you know, it's interesting. I probably, you know, in my profession, I'd, I would probably size them up and I would, I'd go back to what I told you earlier. Yeah. Are you TV or do you work in TV? Yeah. You know, yeah. so probably I look at that. But, but I look at a couple of things. One is, are you curious? Because you know what? I can't teach curious. That's right. I've tried. That's right. I can't teach curious. Yep. Second one, are you prepared? Yeah. Um, do you come in knowing something? Have you read the paper? 
And yes, I do mean the paper, not necessarily a paper paper, but have you like read some stuff online? Right. Um, do you consume the product that I sell? Do you watch the news? Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people come work at a TV station or that. who, and they don't watch the news. I'm like, that. why would you want to work in news? Right. Because if what you want is the, you know, some sort of adoration from people you don't know, yeah. you can get that on Instagram now. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Much better hours yeah, yeah. and possibly more money. Yeah, like right. go that route, it's yeah. so much easier. Um, and then I guess the last thing I would I would say is, you know, are you prepared to do the work? Mm -hmm. You know, like, are you going to go out and actually do the work? Because most of what I do is not glamorous. Right. There are great moments of fun because I make my own fun throughout the day. That's exactly. how I stay engaged as I look anyone I encounter. What can I get out of them? Yeah. Am I going to laugh? Yeah. Am I going to like, I look for the interaction because that's what makes those moments meaningful to me. Yeah. And if I'm engaged, they'll be engaged. Yeah. But if you if you can't if you're not prepared and you're not willing to do the work to also be there, you're probably not going to last in it. That's it. So I mean, honestly, like I look for somebody who's plugged in and wants to be there, yeah, yep. and has a good sense of humor. I think that's the other thing is having a decent sense of humor. Not that you got to be funny. Sure. I mean, it's nice if you're but funny. You, yeah. But somebody who is like great to be around. You know, like my my longtime partner, Mike Domalog, Domi is what we call him, yeah. who I've done all 10 Olympics with. And he's come out and shot some stories with you yeah, when I've yeah, been there, you yeah. know, talking to you on he's FaceTime hilarious. to do the yeah. interview these days. Um, he's a great example of that. Like yeah. Domi is one of the most childish people I have ever met. And I mean <laughs> that in the best way. Yeah, like yeah. he, everything is like, let's go have some fun while we're doing our jobs today. That's awesome. And then when you get in the car, it's like, wow, did you hear what he said about that? That's so interesting. And then the conversation continues. Yeah. And those are the kinds of people that no matter what you do, you want to be around sure. and you want to help. Yep. You really do. Yeah, they so, become your friends. And they then the last thing, sorry, I guess no, I look you're for good. a lot of things no, considering great. I have no it's hiring great. ability. No, good. <laughs> people, I, I can't stand to be around negative people. And yeah. more and more so as time goes on. But if somebody starts from a place of no, I just, I, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. even like probably help. Be downhill you want to help those who are willing to help themselves and to yes. have a good attitude. For I sure. think that will get you so much farther in life, especially now. For sure. We actually cite, I mean, I love that you said that too, because we actually cited a study earlier this year. I have to go back and find it and I can maybe, maybe I can send it over, but um, it was a study around people who uh, were on the side of the road and their car broke down and they were taking a look how many people will stop to help somebody? And they, you know, they did, okay, if it's based on if it's a man or it's a woman, they're old, they're young. But one of the interesting avenues they took was if the person's standing there clearly in need of help or if the person is pushing it by themselves. So many more people stopped to help the person who was pushing it, yeah. right? The person that was already trying to make an effort, hey, you're trying to help yourself, I'm gonna get in there. And that was such an interesting thing. And we had a, a really mm -hmm. good Socratic discussion with our, our launch patters, our high schoolers, around that topic of the fact that, you know, if people, they want to see you pushing forward and then they're more apt yeah. to help you. It's a, it's a human nature thing, that doesn't go away. I, I think that's yeah. so true. And, you know, and, and honestly, like one of the places that I really learned that was living in the Midwest. Yeah. Do the work. Yeah, yep. Do the work, yep. you know, and if so you good. have ever, you know, worked any kind of manual labor, yeah. you know, somebody's got to do the work. That's right. So be the first one in there doing right. the work and don't be territorial about that's not my job. Yeah. You know, this, this yeah. whole that's COVID experience. Is, yeah. Oh, yeah. let me tell you, like yeah. job yeah. description. What is a job description yeah, anymore? Sure. Especially now with the unusual ways that we're, I mean, I'm working in a closet yeah. right now. Yeah, that's right. I had to, on a dime, 
broadcast from home. I have never had what somebody would describe as a work from home job. Yeah. What? Yeah. Are you kidding For me? Sure. But in a couple of hours, I had to transform my kitchen into a new set. Just, yep. I had to figure out how could I go live with quality because I don't want to do something that looks crappy. I am yep. like a stickler on that. It yeah. needs to look good, sound good because yep. I got to prepare. That's right. Um, but like, you know, uh, what can I do to set myself up for success to be able to maintain a standard of excellence that I'm okay with, mm -hmm. that I can say I worked as hard as I could, I did not cut corners, and this is what I was able to that's create. So good. And, and so, you know, it, but you're changing your job, and you're not saying that's not my job. Right. As soon as I hear somebody say that's not my job, I'm like, oh. Nope, we're out. Yeah, for sure. Really? No, I love that. Oh. And you obviously, you're passionate about what you do. You bring that. And I had a good conversation with, with uh, Mike Rowe. Um, you know, it talks about the fact that you don't uh, look for your passion. You bring your passion to everything that you're doing, right? Yes. Bring your passion to that. And then all of a sudden you'll find that you're passionate about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in all of your preparation and, and, you know, there's so much more that goes on before you ever step in front of a camera. Um, is there a part of the job that's maybe a daily part of the job that you have to discipline yourself? You're like, look, this is the part of the prep that I don't super love, but I need to do it because it's, you know, it's, it's part of the outcome. Is there any part of that where mm -hmm. you're like, Ugh, don't love this part, but got to do it anyways? <laughs> you're going to laugh. Yeah. Hair and makeup. Hair, is that right? <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. That's so I funny. hate it. I hate the aesthetic part of what I do. That's I'm not a girly girl. Yeah. I mean, like the first thing I did when I got home today was a change into my running clothes. Yeah, running clothes. Because when we're done, run. I'm heading out. Yeah. I'm gonna go get some, yeah. get a workout. Yeah. But I don't I don't care for the aesthetic part of what I do. That's so I don't funny. I I can't stand yeah. the makeup part. I hate doing my hair. And you do it yourself like, too. I hate from what it. I understand. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So you know what? Like you got to learn how to do it. Yeah. That's Bottom too line: funny. somebody yeah. tells you wear this, do your hair like this, wear your makeup like this. Yep. Great. Fabulous. That's awesome. Do it. Check. Done. But that's, that's the part of it that I don't that care don't for like. the most. That's awesome. Honestly. Mm -hmm. And I love that you mentioned that you can outrun too, because I know you are very active too, and you've done a yeah. number of uh, number of marathons and I believe some triathlons under your belt as well. Yep. If that's correct. That's awesome. I love that. I love that you continue to incorporate that. That's another area that I think, um, you know, I've seen more and more and more. We are having a harder time convincing youth that, hey, you really should get outside a little bit and you should be active. And that's a, that's a good thing. It's weird that we've had a little more, you know, as much as we've got uh, kind of the corporatization of now youth sports, which has taken that to an extreme, yep. the casual athlete, the casual, let's get outside and play. We're losing that a little bit too. So we've, Oh, you know, I 100% agree. I mean, I'm in my fourth, year coaching fourth year i think of coaching how cool each yeah. year yeah i have watched the kids times slow for sure with cross country for and sure. you know so i can it's really easy to, to observe it yep. because they're yep. doing the mile yep and they their inability to go out and run a mile when they first start they have Scary. to really build up to it because yeah. these kids are so much more sedentary yeah and they're also very very used to being program 24 seven, yes. which is maybe why so many kids have struggled in the last couple of months. Yep. But most of these kids are very used to um, having every moment of the day and having like 17 snacks during the practice and That's a lot right. of water breaks. And, um, you know, and I take them out to, we have the American river bike trail. So I take yep. them out to the river and I make it fun because we're running along the river and we jump over down trees and yeah. we're looking at fish jumping and, you know, and it's interesting to me how few of those kids who go to school two miles from right the wet river yeah. have never been there, yeah. you know? So it's just, it's very funny. Like we definitely have changed a lot. We don't spend as much time playing in dirt yeah. and riding the bikes without the neighbors narking on you for being yeah. by yourself. For and sure. 
Um, yeah. We definitely have gotten away from that, which goes right back to your yeah. previous yeah, guest and, you know, about. riding the subway. I remember not riding the subway, but I remember riding city buses in Rochester, New York when yeah. I was about nine, 10 years old. Yeah. I 100% remember, yep. you know, my mother sending me down to pick something up Absolutely. and then getting back on the bus, yep. you know? Absolutely. It's funny. Going to, absolutely. I do as well. I mean, I remember all those things, taking the little trips or going to my mom. I mean, we lived right around the corner from Rayleigh's and it was like, if this is, if our list is yeah. small enough that you can carry it the mile or so back home, have at it, you know, here you go. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was a good thing. Yeah. And I started teaching, um, and I had my first job when I was 10 and started teaching martial arts classes to adults, you know, at 10 years old. And that's that was funny. like a, and that wasn't like a, oh my gosh, look at this. That was like a, yeah, man, earn your keep. Like these, exp you know, lessons yeah. are expensive. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting how we've lost that. And that's again, part of the, part of the impetus behind acting, right. Is, is switching that mentality yeah. altogether. And you know, one other thing I've noticed is even with my kids is that the concept of any kind of delayed gratification yeah. is pretty much shot because For stuff sure. shows up at your house. Yep. And it's a wonderful thing. I mean, it's been great, right. in, you know, in quarantine right. to be able to anything you needed, right. you can get it there in a day. Yeah. But it's also kind of a bad thing, too, because it does teach consumerism to a level that is not healthy. For sure. It's and the concept sword. of going out to to wait for something or earn the money for something doesn't necessarily occur to kids because they're not used to counting dollars out right and right. change and, and that kind of thing yeah you know different. we do we had some you know a lot of the clients that i've worked with that's part of the and actually missouri broadcast association too and gray tv too and that was part of some of the things we were talking about was that all this delayed gratification has created essentially what we call delayed adulthood you know, and you've got this certain yeah. subsection of the population that wants all the freedoms of adulthood, but they don't want any of the correlating responsibility. And so that's an interesting thing to go, okay, well, now we're having to sift through them, whether we're trying to hire them, right? We're trying to figure out who's, the, or now we've hired them, and now we've got to figure out how to lead them. And we've got, you know, so we want to start earlier and try to circumvent that entire thing. Um, and it's really a, a more massive cultural issue than I think we even Do you think though yet. that the generation before us said the exact same thing or is it truly I, different? I, I, both. I, I really do. I, I think both. Um, you know, and I think, I think there's always been a, an element of my generation's got it figured out. These old guys stink. These new kids are going to ruin the world. Right. I think there's mm -hmm. always been, that understanding but because of what you said this the the world that we live in now that is so fast it is changing i mean studies show it is changing the uh, attention span like those things are you know some of those things are shifting so i think there's an mm -hmm. you know impact clean i think it's multifaceted um but do you consider yourself millennial or Gen X? So I'm so coming from the research firm that i work with directly on yeah. all of this stuff i essentially am right in the middle so I'm like an older, <laughs> I'm like an older millennial, younger Gen X. But if I look at my behaviors, I'm like, sometimes I'm a baby boomer because nine o'clock sounds <laughs> awful to stay awake. Right. right, so, right. So, so sometimes I'm a baby boomer. Sometimes the way I'm driving, maybe I'm a traditionalist. Maybe I'm a great, like, I don't know. But then sometimes I look at myself too. And I'm like, clearly Gen Z, my maturity level is not where it needs to be. Right. How do I have children? <laughs> like, around kids yeah, all the for time, sure. Right? For sure. So I definitely am a mix um, for yeah. sure, at least behavior wise. But um, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but things are working out okay. I think it's, it's good a, to be able to float between them. I think Truthfully, so too. I think so know? too. Because again, that goes back to that relating to people, you know? So mm -hmm. um, exactly. one of the last questions on here, and this is my favorite question, actually, the whole thing. And this is the one that may take a second to, to think about. So a piece of okay. common- This is the one I'm going to bomb. I this is the one, it. I hope so. I want to make you, I want to get you into that <laughs> nervous section, right? Where you just feel really, really weird. And all of a sudden okay. you have something else to do. Um, so okay. um, what is it? Oh, wait, piece, the kids are calling. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I hear so. The chickens. It's the chickens. There's chickens it's right the now. It's the chickens. It's, yeah. It's my right. new chickens. That's right. Um, 
what is a piece of common knowledge? So something that everybody knows is true. Everybody knows this is the way things are. But Deirdre goes, yeah, but I just disagree. Where are, do you consider yourself just kind of counterculture that you can oh. at least say where people will hear what you say too? Because sometimes that's... Yeah, tell me yours to make sure I understand the question. Sure. Yeah. No. So my example. Okay. So I've been in education forever, right? I've worked at Stan. I worked in higher ed forever. I've been in K through twelve. I've worked with with, with uh, you know K through twelves and universities all across the country for a long, long time. Everybody knows you need to go to college to be successful. I am completely counterculture where I actually think, and this is somebody with graduate degrees who works in education, I think college ends up now being a bad move for more people than it is a good move. I think it's actually the wrong way to go for most young people. I think there are other better alternatives than college. Very counterculture in that regard, um, especially if you're considering mm -hmm. the context of, of uh, being in education. So, But going out for a beer with Mike Rowe would probably be super fun hey, because man, you guys go, right? could talk go, about that right? forever. That's exactly right. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. Yeah, I know he's very much on yeah. the same page as that. So, And it's okay if you want to skip because um, I know that's a tough one. No, but no, anything, no, no. I love the question. Uh, I love the question. It's my favorite one for sure. Okay, here's one. I think people think that because people don't have sometimes opportunities to go to college yeah. that they didn't necessarily get to finish high school or whatever, that they didn't grow up with a certain amount of money or having certain experiences, that that is a limiting thing, mm. that they can't mm -hmm. understand or do certain things. And here's, here's one thing that I truly believe. There is no reason in 2020 to be dumb yeah. or to be ignorant yep. or to be uneducated about anything yep. because we have this thing called Google yep. and you can educate yourself in seconds about anything. That's right. And you can read That's right. and you can learn and you can ask. There is so much free education. See, I guess we're yeah. this kind yeah. of actually along yeah, with I what agree. you're saying. Yep. There is so much out there to become a smart, educated articulate well thought out person mm -hmm. to expand your horizons beyond where you are yeah. whatever limiting factors that you have i love that we can educate ourselves in so many ways i mean my my father was very educated mm -hmm. my father grew up in a um very established dublin family mm -hmm. so the city the big city in mm -hmm. ireland my mother is one of 16 my mother grew up incredibly poor my mother was put on a plane the day she turned 18 and told she was going to america mm -hmm. it was not her choice and that's what happened. My mother has probably an eighth grade education. She's mm -hmm. probably the smartest person I know yep. because she's so life smart. Yep. You know, my mother's education was in her job as a hostess in the Stouffer Hotels in New York City mm -hmm. and in meeting people from all over the world and talking to them and having conversations and in listening. My mother has news talk radio on 24 seven, yeah. which is maybe where my interest in news probably yeah. comes from yeah, if you yeah. think about it. My mother is so informed about things going on, but my mother is not somebody you would look at her resume and say like, that's a brilliant woman but yep. she's probably the smartest woman that I know. So I really feel like these days when somebody says, I don't know, I'm like, how can you not know? Like tell people you gotta go to the bathroom and go Google and it. And go find out, <laughs> and go find out. You can find it. out anything. You, there and, are, oh, so good. and that's what I love about podcasting. Yeah. I mean, podcasting yep. to me is like, the college class you really want to go to every day. It's such an educational medium. It absolutely is. It's such an is. education. That's edu I've people. learned more about personal finance yes. and yep. history yep. and politics and everything 
from listening from to kind people of talk to each other. You're exactly right. And that's what educate, you know, we confuse, we have, and this is another cultural phenomenon for us, but we have intermingled um, academics and education. And we've started to say, well, those are one and the same. And that's clearly not the case. You can be extremely well-educated, not be super good yeah. at academia, but at this point, you don't even need to be as great around academia because like you said, you can Google it. Like, hey, Alexa, what is the, I mean, you can, mm -hmm. right? You have that at your fingertip, but being educated is something that is, you know, there's so many different facets for that. And it's something that just does not stop, uh, you know. No, and I it's interesting that. that in a lot of so schools good. now, they are at least conceding that that kind of rote memorization that a lot of us grew up with, where you got to memorize this and right. memorize that. You right. know, it's it isn't as important. Yep. And, and I think it's it's important to recognize that. Now yep. that said, it's kind of nice when somebody can recite a poem. Sure, <laughs> they've got like that. That they they have they sure. they do have those things that are committed to memory. For sure. But, but it is nice to recognize that like, there's nothing you can't learn about these days. That's there's an exactly app right. for everything if you're curious enough to want it's to learn. And so, so good, if yeah. you're not curious to want to learn it and, and at all stages of your life, gosh, what's the point? You yeah, know, I mean, exactly right. last couple of months, I mean, I've told you just privately, yeah. I, I didn't do well with distance learning yep. because my job as an essential worker I was in go mode the last for couple sure. of months. My husband in go mode. Yep. And so I was very, I really didn't know what my kids were doing. Mm -hmm. and, and I admit it. And I was pretty sure that, okay, we'll just fix this in August when they go back to school. Yeah, well, yeah that wasn't a good plan. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know, Working but well. <laughs> I did teach my kids some other life skills. I'm like, if you're home, you're going to learn some other things. So my kids have learned how to sew. They've awesome. learned how to fix, a, how to sew a button. Yep. They've learned how to take care of chickens. Yep. Um, both of my boys can now cook any kind of egg. Yep. Now, is that going to be on a test? Not unless they go to the culinary academy. That's However, they have learned some basic things that years later when somebody says, how do you make a perfect sunny side that's up That's right. I hope they remember they because my mom that. was working in the kitchen doing the news that's and right. we used to do what we called commercial break eggs where in three minutes we can make any kind of eggs. That's and hilarious. that's literally yeah. what we've done every morning I've been home. That's awesome. Well, it's those things that <laughs> get, teach them that accountability though too and that personal responsibility. Accountability. That I mean, it's all of those things that play out, right? I mean, that's it. They're yeah. going to need to cook for themselves at some point, but chances are they're not going to need the quadratic equation quite as often. Right, that's just the I reality hope, of the I world. I hope not. Yeah, I hope I not too. Yeah, I don't even know what it is. Now if I, I could just, just teach him to. Yeah. Now if I could just teach him to clean up the I pan after the that's baby. That's okay. So there's your too. next step. You know. Yeah. <laughs> next, step. next step. <laughs> That'll be so, part two of the class. That's exactly right. The the last one that we have here is kind of your chance for like a legacy quote. So if we say, "Hey, Deirdre, Ooh. by the way, tomorrow." You're going into the ground. Sorry to inform you mm. today, but um, yeah. you know, you're going to kind of put that legacy quote out there and it can be your own. It can be from from somebody else. But what do you want to leave the world? Remember, you know, Deirdre said this. Oh, man, that is a tough That's one. That's a tough one. Well, probably something that I was told many, many years ago. I went to a like a journalism convention mm -hmm. type thing and uh some of the best I ever, best advice i ever got was from an assignment editor who was leading a panel and she reminded everybody because everybody complains when they come out of a morning editorial meeting no matter what story you got yeah. for the most part yeah everybody complains yeah, right no <laughs> it's like any other water yeah, cooler kind yeah. of thing and she reminded people that as a reporter and a photographer once you got into the ford explorer which is what every news team drives once you got into the front seat you choose the way the day is going to go yeah. You choose the story. Yep. You choose who you talk to for the story. Yeah. You know, you, you choose how you're going to look at it. Mm. So 
I guess what I would say is choose the day you want to have. That's right. And then go have it. That's it. Choose your story. Honestly, I yeah. mean, it's choose your story. Yeah. We've choose got a, happiness. Oh, we've choose got a joy. Banner. Choose Hold optimism. We've got a banner right outside here that says live a great story. I mean, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, I love that. So hold on. I'm going to stand up for a second here in the closet. I'm going to show you something that's been in my closet for years, which awesome. sounds odd. <laughs> so I found this years ago at like one of those like dumb stores that sells like design stuff. Yeah. It's a wooden sign and it says, happy is what we make it. Always mm -hmm. has been, always will always be. Always will be. I love it. Right? I love it. And I have two of these that I think I got at the TJ Maxx. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But I have one I have one up on my kids' yeah. room. And I don't know if they ever, I mean, it's there. I don't know that they see it, but they I hope it. that they subliminally and see, they it. see it. And it's sure. funny, I've had this sitting in my closet now for a couple of years. And my husband just recently said, so do you know that I look at that sign every single day? Yep. I look up and I see it's in a weird spot. And he's like, because it's starting to really sink in. Yep. And so I thought, isn't that funny? You know, yep. happy is what we make it. So choose how you're going to look at it, whether it's a pandemic, it's changing job market, it's challenges in school. So good. It's something not being fair. Yeah. <laughs> there's so a lot. Good, there's a lot that's not fair right now. So but good. you got to, you know, choose the happiness because if you choose the other, it's consuming. Yep. And I guarantee your Don't kids see that. You. I guarantee your kids see that sign. I guarantee they're taking it in. I and so. I guarantee they see you guys taking that in and leading by example. You know, and that's. I hope so. Yeah, they're they're seeing thing. a lot of weird stuff right now. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure, for sure. And I know that they're going to remember this time. There's yeah. no doubt that they will. And I I hope that what they remember is that we tried really hard. Yeah. Um, I hope they don't remember some of the other stuff. Sure. <laughs> but I, well, but I hope they know. I hope they remember that we tried really hard yeah. because these these have been really hard times, and there will be more hard times. But there will also be some good times. There so will look for the happiness. And look for the small victories every day, no matter how bad it is, there was something good about it. So yeah. like focus on that and hold to that and then springboard from that the next day. I love it, my friend. I think you're a great, I'm sure you're a great example to them. I think you're a great example to, to very many. So where can people more go to get more uh, about you? You mentioned your podcast, obviously too, please. Yeah. Yeah. So the podcast, which is like my, the best, like part-time job I have, that's yeah. not really a job, yeah. <laughs> I would say. Yeah. It's always so the best fun, job, huh? right? I know. Um, yeah. Oh, I love it. It's so been such a great, you know, passion project for me. It's like a great little hobby, truthfully. Um, so that is, it's called um, the Dying to Ask podcast and yep. it's available in all the regular podcasty places. Yep. And um, and then I'm on Instagram a lot. My Instagram yeah. account, it actually isn't my name. My Instagram account is run, read, sip, yep. um, which is purposely not newsy. Yeah. I like to run. I like to, I love to read um, and I like wine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's where the sipping comes in. So that's, that's where I like to interact with people. So if anybody ever wants to reach out, that's a great place Go to send it out. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. We've got a bunch of, so eventually- we'll Oh, and then the morning news. That's on yeah, every morning might be, too. You, you can see always- there every once in a while too, right? Yeah, <laughs> four, that thing. Four to 9 a.m., right. five straight hours. That so. thing. And if people <laughs> do that. DM, make sure they say, whoever did your hair and makeup did a great job. I'm sure you enjoy that part. Yes, sure throw that in there. because yes. my favorite is when people tell me I should fire <laughs> yes, that person. I'm sure. And I'm like, I'm always like, dang straight, <laughs> Oh, I that's awesome. Yes, I, I should. I will pass that along. That's thank hilarious. You. I agree. It didn't look good today. Oh, it's so funny. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for 
everything you do. Thank you for being a, a great example and for, for taking the time here for uh, for our listeners, too. I really appreciate well, it. Well, thanks for being such oh, a, a generous resource to a lot of us. I mean, you have such an interesting, what you guys are doing at Acton, I find fascinating. I appreciate it. And there's it. a lot, even for those of us who are not in the program, there's a lot to learn from it. Yep. Um, and I, I've always, I find your, your other career in terms of the speaking and the teaching that you've done, yeah. I find it equally fascinating. So thanks for being such a great motivating person because you're very generous with your time in that. I too. appreciate that very much. Like you said, we get to choose the life we're leading, right? So we might as well make fun. Yeah. So thank exactly. you, again, Deirdre. There you go, guys. Go check out what she's got going on. Run, read, sip uh, on Instagram. And uh, again, check out the Dying to Ask podcast. Uh, and again, a little bias. I got to be on an episode there, which is super fun. But she does a really, obviously, she does a really good job. She's she's great at having these conversations and uh, is just a cool human being. So check out the Dying to Ask podcast. She's got some great stuff on there as well. And uh, again, thank you for listening to this podcast and for sharing and uh, getting a lot more awareness now too. And that goes to you guys sharing and uh, leaving your reviews. And I appreciate all of that so, so much. So uh, until next time, guys, have a good one.